Hi, everybody, and welcome to this uh, new podcast on managing uncertainty. And today I'm delighted to say that we have the one and only Torsten Pieper joining us. And Torsten is an associate professor of management in the Belk College of Business at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. He's also editor of the Journal of Family Business Strategy and also the president of IFERA, the International Family Enterprise Research Academy. Torsten, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on this podcast. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. It's yeah, a pleasure. Thank you. So um, can, maybe you, I'll begin with my first question, which is, you know, can you tell us a bit about this project you have about family firms and your collaborators and what motivated you to do the study? Yes, absolutely. So back in March of, uh, of this year, when uh, the pandemic um, started or um, started at least here in the, um, on the continent in North America. Um, we, together with a few other colleagues, Claudia Mastrakan, Joe Estrakan, Isabel Botero, Chris Graves um, from Australia, Josep Pocotla from Italy, Tom Riesen from Germany, and Pedro Vasquez from, from, Austra- from um, Argentina. Um, we uh, we kind of put our heads together and um, and realized, hey, we are we are in a in a pretty um, unique situation here in in that um, there's this this pandemic um, going on and and spreading. We should we should really look at what family businesses do in in response to that um, pandemic. It was I remember. Um, our colleague Joe Estrakan, he um, he made this comment. He said, "Look, we're we're in a pretty unique situation. We're almost look like like doctors uh, in a, on a in a war field, right? And you have all these things happening in, a, in fragments of times, uh, and you know a lot of insights were gained through these um, situations. So we're in a in a similar situation. Luckily, not uh, not war related." But still, a lot happening in a very short amount of time, and we should look at how families and businesses respond to that, so that we can hopefully develop insights that are not only helpful in dealing with this um, pandemic, but also with future crises should they happen. And based on what we hear and and read, you know, these events seem to occur more frequently in in the future. <laughs> So really generate insights that are that are helpful and useful to the to the family businesses out there, but then also they can use in order to stimulate and conduct research that hopefully uh, will gener- generate um, insights for for theorizing and for business likewise. Mm-hmm. I think you know, absolutely some of the key issues here is the, the the concept of uncertainty is of course not new. And I think right. the trend across the last few years, the pandemic is one illustration and maybe, you know, a very extreme um, example of high levels of uncertainty that businesses are dealing. But this is really something that's been compounding now for some time with lots of events that are increasing uncertainty. And of course, we have other global movements going on and differences at geopolitical levels that are just highlighting uncertainty. So I think the broader lessons here, I think, absolutely do go beyond a pandemic situation and can be about family firms and their resilience and also hopefully their resurgence and how they can come out of the crisis more uh, powerfully. So in, t- in terms of the project itself and the data collection, what did that involve? 
So, so let me let me uh, take a step back um, to what you just said, um, Matt. And you're absolutely right. Um, and I think one of the things that we see very clearly is is how immature we are in dealing with uncertainty, mm. right? And uh, and how how much we struggle in to to embrace more of this uncertainty mindset because it is it is truly something that we don't like, right? We we do want um, certainty and we we do want we do need to know right to plan ahead and you see it with uh, um with our family lives and what children going back to school not going back to school uh and just we just want to know somebody please tell us what to do but we just don't we just don't know because mm -hmm. right, nobody can predict the future i as a matter of fact i had this i had a great privilege to work uh, just uh, just a little bit unfortunately well, with uh, Clay Christensen, when it comes to mm -hmm. to disruption, he is probably the the master of uh, of disruption. And we actually served on on the last um, dissertation committee uh, before he unfortunately passed away. Mm -hmm. um, and Clay said um, uh, very often, you know, managers and decision makers need to realize that the most important information they can have does not yet exist. Mm -hmm. And he, so he was a very religious man, and uh, he, he um, when you hear his talks, he often made this statement, when, when God created the world, he made it so beautiful and um, so amazing, but he built in one unfairness, which is we are forced to make decision into the future with data from the past. Mm. Absolutely. Right? And... Uh, and that is just something that um, that we struggle with. But then the good thing is that that we that we have is we we have the theories, right? Which, which are pretty much the only thing that help us make some predictions into the future. So if X, uh, then Y is likely to happen. That's why the research I think has a really important role in helping us develop insights that that can be transported somewhat into mm. the future, right? And I think we all have a responsibility to, to help create those theories that um, help us deal, therefore, with, uh, with uncertainty better. But I think we're still at the very beginning. So um, that was a very yeah, long yeah, wind that's, that's uh, follow-up to your, to your comment, but it's, yeah. it just uh, it gives me a lot, a lot to think. Um, mm. I think it sets out really nicely the the challenge that are, that we face as researchers trying to understand this situation, but also at the same time in our efforts to try and create and develop useful insights for family business and family business managers. Um, with that in mind, then maybe I can move on to my next question, which is: Can you maybe share some of the early insights from the study that you've been doing? And this is a global study, right? This is something that's been across several countries. Indeed, yes, exactly. So, um, when we when we formalized uh, our idea to, to to start collecting data, of course, the first thing that came to mind was uh, we need to get a survey together that we can roll out in in these different regions of the world to to have some comparative data because, as as we know, family business are vastly different. Um, not only within the nation, but then also across, and then also in terms of what the different countries have been doing in terms of um, responding to the crisis in a huge um, um, 
injections of, of money in the economy here, a little bit less um, and different actions in, in Europe and then the rest of the world still being very different. So we wanted to, to somehow account for these differences too. So we <clears throat> rolled out this, um, this survey um, first in the German speaking parts of the world and then throughout the North, North America, Australia, and now and then and then the spanish speaking parts and now we also have a um, portuguese version to look into brazil and then of course portugal and um, mm -hmm. that is coming in one of the first um, insights which i think is uh, tremendous news for the for the researchers but also for the family businesses is the response that we got it was it was really really um, humbling to see how many responses we got the last time I checked a couple of days ago, I think we just had over or close to 1,100 usable responses. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a lot. And um, we were just really, really um, humbled with the, with the response that we've gotten. So it shows that family businesses, they, it's not like you know, there's this myth out there. Family businesses are, are hard to get by and they don't respond and they're so shy. No, that's not it's not totally accurate. I think the family businesses, they, they look at something that comes their way and then they judge. Mm. Is this worth my time? Should I take 30 minutes of my time to, to answer uh, this questionnaire where I really don't see the value when in 30 minutes I could do better things for my family, for my employees and for my mm. community? I think they're just, they're just very protective of their time. And I mm. think that's, that's, yeah, they're not to blame. But if something comes and, you know, apparently they saw the value in this research, they are usually happy to, um, to contribute. And I think that's, that's really, really good. Um, also, we want this to be a longitudinal effort. So we have asked the, the families, would you like to, would you be willing to continue to answer questions so we can collect longitudinal data? That's really with the, with the vision of, Mm. developing some exploring some causal uh, relationships here and see really track how this um, how the the responses and the strategies uh, and goals change over time mm -hmm. and there too about a third of them said absolutely we want to be involved right so it's a huge positive response which is which is mm. great also really um, important because the, the more data you have and the more, the, the more time element to it, the more we can learn about. I think one of the key things that I've, I've been interested for some time now is the difference between what makes a family firm resilient versus what are the conditions that enable its resurgence, what can drive growth coming out of you know, a pandemic situation or a highly <clears throat> disruptive situation. So um, I think you know, the, the benefit there of the more businesses getting, getting involved and, and, and continuing to contribute will only help the insights that you can make in, in return. So yes. With those things in mind, have you been able to scrutinize the data a little bit yet? And are you seeing some interesting things emerging from it? Yes, as a matter of fact, we, we have, and uh, there's tons of um, really interesting, really interesting insights. And um, um, Claudia of Astrakhan, she has done a really good job in um, putting these uh, together. And together with Afira, um, we've actually made some of these um, insights available on the Afira's uh, website. So if you go to um, afira.org, um, 
there is a segment that that's that's called uh, crossing the crisis mm-hmm. where we have made these uh, some of these insights already available in german um, spanish and and english therefore of different um, communities and we will add um, more insights there as we as we progress um, but yeah several several things that um, that we saw there one our our colleague um, promoted to Sharma, she, she put this uh, very concisely, which is that um, the crisis is, uh, yeah, is, is like a magnifying glass uh, for, for the family in that you see that, that families who are, who are well together, who are unified and cohesive, they fare through this fairly well mm. versus families that, that struggle where you have this underlying conflict, the crisis just um, um, makes things appear mm. much, much more violently there as well. So it so goes it, both. Yeah. So it magnifies so, the disruption, magnifies some of the historical precisely. problems. I think that's exactly. super and, interesting. And in both ways, right? Mm. So, so of course, if you're if you're more cohesive, then it makes you more. If you're cohesive already, then this makes you more cohesive. If you're struggling, then then struggles tend tend to you know increase mm-hmm. as well. It's but you, um, yeah, Durkheim's uh, um, fundamental research on um, on suicide, right? Why is it that that uh, suicide rates drop in, in, in times of, of war, right? Where you know, something as, as terrible as a war should normally increase suicides, right? Because people start questioning, what, why is this happening? Why is this happening to us? And, but suicide rates, uh, he saw dropped. Well, it's because of, you have this external um, shock, right? Which mm. makes you pull more closely together. And we see that in the, in the families as well. So, a lot of families spending a lot more time together, ramping up their their communication inside the family, mm-hmm. informing their the families um, more frequently, or even more frequently. Also having having virtual family meetings. So it's in in person meetings are are pretty much out of the question because of you know physical distancing and so forth. So a lot more virtual meetings, but also more regular communication we see. That's probably also where you see one of the positive outcomes of this, of all of this, Mm. where you have families and you see it in all of us, right? Communicating much, much more regularly. Mm. Other tools, right? And Zoom has been and Skype and all these tools and Google Meets have been around for years right it's just now through this crisis that we've been using them lots and i know sometimes perhaps a little bit too much <laughs> for our taste but but before we just we were just we were just um yeah a little bit reluctant to to uh, to really embrace them but this crisis has just made it become a necessity and um it it works but also families we see use them in order to stay in touch, in order to coordinate themselves, think about the, the large expanded families with several hundred members all spread across the, mm. the globe sometimes. But you, you have to have some sort of communication in place that enables you 
to to discuss and um, be aligned, which is another important element. Families um, doing a lot more to create this sort of alignment because it's not enough just to have a just a family that 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 owns a business and to assume well they all sing from the same sheet, so to say. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's just a, just a, an assumption that um, mm. I think we researchers often make. Uh, so, well, there's a family and naturally, of course, they stick together. No, <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Well, actually, very often they don't. Yeah. You have to create the sort of alignment um, in the goals and in the objectives because otherwise, if you have to make a decision, especially if, if you have to make a decision quickly, then you waste a lot of time. If you, mm-hmm. if you first have to get everybody aligned and then you know there's these people who just always disagree right so that's going to be a headache it slows you down and Mm. you will not be as nimble as as you could be on the other side if you if you are able to align and really behind a a common goal common vision um then you're much much faster to make Mm. i think all those things especially the the increase in communication is an interesting one because it, I think it speaks directly to your point about the cohesiveness. So obviously, cohesiveness is, is naturally affiliated with communication because it facilitates mm-hmm. the flow of communication and greater conflict can work in one of two ways. One is it right. can disrupt communication, but also it could maybe spark those positive points of conflict. And of course, success, cohesion over time can introduce its own mm-hmm. dysfunctional problems including a family um, orientation lock but it's it does seem positive at the same time this increase in cohesiveness this increase in the flow of communication is very beneficial now that you have remote teams all over the place and remote innovation teams remote working teams operational teams um, which all need to coordinate the collective response of the family firm to the crisis so it does seem it does, as you say, in terms of decision-making speed, decision-making nimbleness, it seems absolutely essential that these family qualities are maybe something that can form something of a family advantage in terms of the resilience of the family business in re- relative to, say, a typical private business that would not have that kind of familial bond to draw people together, to inspire them to the cause, because... That's the other thing is how do you get buy-in across the business? And I think from a family firm perspective, a lot of that is, um, is inherent in the family, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Yes. And that's, that's an interesting insight uh, to your point that, um, that we saw as well, especially in the, in the smaller family businesses where, where all of a sudden it was like, you know, we need all men and women on deck all hands on deck mm-hmm. uh, even if you're not involved in the business we really need you and you really 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 employ you to come and help out in whatever way mm-hmm. so that too had a had a positive impact in the involvement for instance of the next generation mm-hmm. or of family members who were more distant from the business who now were pulled in really enjoy this i really, really didn't never realize that this is what we did but now this mm. is actually really cool and look i really enjoy working with my family this is so cool mm. that we all get to, to work on this together and i get to to meet my uh 
my aunt Lucy and my cousin Charlie. And look, he's actually a pretty a pretty neat uh, chap. Yeah. And uh, you know, we should hang out more uh, when things are better. So I was um, I was going to ask about that because what is interesting for me about what you're saying is how we need to go beyond the nuclear perception of the family. So we have the family right. nucleus, which I think we may be too over-focused on that sometimes. And it's interesting to see in this pandemic, maybe the, the response is, is not just going to external networks or experts, but instead grow, mm-hmm. drawing in the larger family network from, from outside right. the business or you know, within the, the, the family. I find that really intriguing. Um, that we have this growth in that respect, and I think, uh, and I think for a, for a family, that's that's very natural, right? Because when you think, well, who are we going to ask to help here? Um, probably the per, the first persons that come, people that come to mind, are your family, right? Mm-hmm. And and especially think about these this these smaller and medium enterprises where you, where you just um, um, yeah just don't have only have so many people that you mm-hmm. can rely on. And typically the family are the, the first ones that, um, mm-hmm. that come to mind there. So I think that has uh, brought uh, a lot of, uh, pulled in a lot of uh, more members to the, to the business, but also then help them create more identification, greater levels of, um, of commitment. And we'll see what the future impact of this will be. Hopefully they're going to stick around. Hopefully this is going to, to be longer lasting and mm. um, create um, even greater momentum for mm, for the family business. Yeah. Yes. Great. The, I think the last um, I think question I would like to end on is thinking about resurgence and thinking about growth and trying. One of the themes that I have in my mind for the for the series to think about, you know, the can we spin this into a positive? Is there a way of coming out of this crisis in a stronger way? And I wonder mm-hmm. if you have any sort of speculative thoughts on that. Maybe if you've seen any patterns, for example, if family firms are showing signs of innovating or, or anything along those lines. Yes, um, very good question, Matt. And uh, indeed, we've seen several of those, um, of those things, both on the family and on the business side. So on, on the business side, for instance, um, that was particularly pronounced for 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 Germany, um, where a lot of this digitization apparently has been has been lagging behind. Mm-hmm. So this um, um, pandemic um, has turbo boosted a lot of the digitization projects mm-hmm. that were all kind of forecasted and family business knew. They needed to do something, but just hadn't gotten up above that hump to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So this crisis has really been a turbo boost to to push a lot of these digitization um, projects. I think that's ahead. really quite insightful and interesting. Yeah. I don't, that you've probably seen the the meme that goes around where you have a picture of an office block and a board of directors inside saying, "Oh, you know." the uh, digital strategy takes too long and there's a wrecking ball coming towards them called COVID-19 and how that, yeah, here's your digital yes. strategy coming in. Now. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think, yes, precisely. Yeah. I think that's a really and, interesting point that it's, it's, it's compelling a technological upgrade perhaps in, mm-hmm. um, in family firms that they would otherwise that- have perhaps wouldn't have needed or would have been happy delaying uh, further. So I think that's super interesting. That's right. 
and then several of the of the businesses doing um, counter cyclical investment right so mm. they purposefully invest now now cautiously but they purposefully invest into new projects um, and you know many doing doing really really well where they even go and and acquire other mm-hmm. other businesses and 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 grow so a lot of the things that then you would you would say that t- traditional what finance theory um usually is a critical of of the family business because they have so much uh, slack right and mm-hmm. uh, they are have you know, close to zero debt right where they could much beautifully leverage themselves and really benefit from that leverage effect um but yet they don't but now precisely all these things uh, come to the family business's advantage so Mm -hmm. because they have all this uh, all this liquidity because they have all this extra cash that they now can use to invest but also (laughs) continue to operate because clearly Mm -hmm. What we are seeing too, which has which this crisis has uh, has brought about uh, very clearly, is performance is probably not the ultimate goal. It's well for now. I think you want to survive, right? mm-hmm. yeah. and you know perform. How you come out of this? Well, this is uh, it's a different question. But for if you even if you don't survive, the performance is inconsequential anyway. Yes, absolutely. So, I think these um, just really great insights so Torsten I can't thank you enough for giving some of your time to talk about this project with us and sharing some of the insights I think for me there's a few very clear takeaways that at least for myself and I'm sure for some of the people listening which is this interesting aspect of how the magnifying glass effect how the family being cohesive becomes even more cohesive in times of crisis and that can leverage some really beneficial communication benefits but at the same time where there have been fractures, where there have been fault lines in the business, then perhaps this is shining an even brighter light on those and then may create or aggravate some problems. I think it's interesting then for families to think about, okay, how can we transcend that and can, can we make a positive out of it in terms of sparking new ideas for, for doing the business in a different way or better way? I think the key point in digitalization, how you know, I'm thinking about Crisis is always bad, but the classic quotes that never waste a good crisis, there's always uh, an opportunity in there. And it seems that one of those situations is to just, you know, take the time to build those family bonds, extend the family network involved in the business, and then, of course, do some technological upgrading uh, in the background. And then finally, of course, I think it's, it's really shining a bit of a spotlight on what makes a family firm different and maybe advantageous compared to a typical firm in terms of the lack of leverage, the lack of debt, the greater cash liquidity and the ability to use those resources in moments like this to not just solidify the business, but hopefully grow it in a way that enables them to come out of this uh, in high uncertainty period in a more productive way. So I hope you'll agree with my little summary there. No, so. This was this was uh, brilliant yes thank you very much well Tosin, thank you so much for again giving us your time and uh, for everybody listening i hope this was useful to you and uh, we'll look forward to the next podcast thank you thank you matt and thank you for asking such great questions i thank appreciate you. it